0: straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night He cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and they cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. They were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. When they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him. Through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the straits and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John
1: G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me too. Jesus' power over nature is demonstrated in this lesson. We are in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 56. Our Lord, having gone up to a mountain to pray, subsequently began walking across the water on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples in the boat saw him and were frightened because he appeared to them to be as a ghost. Well, this happened at night, between 3 and 6 in the morning, and I asked the question, how did they see him at night? Well, our Lord is so precious to us here. He first encourages them personally, saying, Take heart, be of good cheer. And then he identifies himself. It is I. And then he says, Stop being afraid. The Lord Jesus can and will identify himself to the heart of each of us who are trusting Jesus himself in the midst of the storm. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Mark chapter 6, verse 45.
0: Good day, friends. Again, it is our joy and delight to come to you. And I am sure that as you have been following along in this study of the gospel through Mark, we see the marvelous revelation of the tenderness, the sympathy, the compassion, the love of the Savior for men and women, whoever they are. Indeed, the ones whom he rebukes are those who are religious leaders who are hypocrites. And he tears the mask off, shows them just what they are. And as you read through the book, you'll notice how their envy and their hatred for the Savior increases. Now we're in chapter, chapter 6 of Mark. Uh, we, we have noticed the unbelief of his own people at Nazareth. You remember, after living thirty years in their midst, they to them he was just still Joseph, Joseph's son, the son of Mary, the carpenter. And then you have him sending the twelve out and giving them power and authority uh, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to preach the gospel and to tell men to repent. That is followed by the uh, by the incident of Herod killing John the Baptist. You remember, you see there the. The cowardice of Herod, you see the boldness of John the Baptist, and you see the murderous heart of Herodias, the wife of Herod. And then this is followed by the disciples being alone with the Savior. He came, they came back. You remember and reported what they had done. And by the way, I still I still can't get over that that thirtieth uh, verse of the chapter. Nothing is said about the crowds or the response or what they did. They just reported what they had done and what they had taught. Not much is given to results. The Lord knew all about that too. And then from verse 31 on through, you have where, right on down through verse 44, you had them feeding the 5,000. We saw the compassion of the Savior upon these people with all the religious leaders they had, they were still sheep having no shepherds. In fact, the the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees had no heart, no compassion for the people of God. And hence, they were wondering. And if ever you needed to pray for shepherds, it's today. There are so few, comparatively speaking, who have any tenderness or compassion or understanding for the are the people of God, and so many are shepherdless. And you remember in John 21, the prerequisite to being an under shepherd is wholehearted devotion to the person of Christ. You remember that story of how the Lord said to Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? Three times he asked the question, and the answer was, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. I repeat it again wholehearted devotion to the person of Christ in love with the Savior is the prerequisite for one who's going to be a shepherd of God's people. When one thinks of the, of the tremendous need of relating to people in their need, we ought, we ought to cry to God to raise up men and women these last days who shall indeed reveal something of the wonder of our Savior. As I've oftentimes said, this world is dying for a revelation of Jesus Christ in and through his people. He's not going to send an angel. He doesn't take the great. As Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, not many wise men after the flesh, not many noble are called. He takes the weak things, the base things, takes commercial fishermen, machinists, farmers, whatever you are, and uses them. So he fed them on five loaves and two fishes, and they were all filled, every one satisfied Now, starting from there, from verse 45 to the end of the chapter, we have the incident of our Lord manifesting His power over nature. Remember, He is the servant of Jehovah. And now we find that He sends His disciples away. We read, And straightway He constrained His disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while He sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling, in rowing. They were having a pretty tough time of it. You know, their backs were right against back behind their oars, and they weren't getting very far, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. They were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. For their heart was was hardened. Let me just stop. Let me just stop here for a moment. You, you get a fuller picture a, a fuller picture of this in Matthew chapter fourteen, twenty-two to thirty-three, and also in John's Gospel chapter fifteen to verse twenty-one. Now, after the Lord had fed the crowd, and I'm quoting from John's Gospel, uh, he sent away his disciples because he saw that the people would take him by force and make him a king. And why not? Here they were under the heel of Rome. And uh, Rome was pretty hard on those over whom they ruled. And they were... Here in their midst was one who healed their sick and cast out demons, opened the eyes of the blind, and he fed the hungry. Well, this is the one who should be our leader. Let's make him a king. And believe me, Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples would have been all for that. But Jesus sent them away in a boat, and he sent them into a storm. What for? To keep them out of temptation. You know, friend, sometimes God does just that thing. He sends his people into storms to keep them out of temptation. These disciples would have been all for making him a king. What a temptation. And Jesus sent them away and put them in a storm to keep them out of temptation. So, friend, if the Lord is leading you into a storm, remember he has control of the storm. I read in this passage here, he saw them in the storm. He saw them rowing hard and getting nowhere. But he saw them. He saw them. It's an amazing what God sees? He knows all about you. You say, little old me. Yes, little old you. He knows all about you. He knows every test and every trial and so on. Did you ever notice, you never read in the Gospels of the multitudes being in the storms, just disciples. The Lord today is dealing with his people, not with the world. If he was dealing with the world, he would come in judgment. He'd pour out his wrath upon them. As a righteous God of necessity, he must do this. But he's letting the nations go their own way. He's offering them now a saviour, He's gathering out a people for his name called the church, made up of individuals. And when one comes to the Savior and becomes a member of the church of Christ, becomes a member of the body of Christ, joined to the Lord Jesus Christ, don't be surprised if he leads you into storms. And I'm going to say what I've said so often. It's only in the storms that we really experience his power and get to know him, you see. What did he do? They were in a storm. He went on a mountain to pray, you see. And then he saw them. He looked down and saw them in the storm. He, and he comes to us as he came to them in the storms. As I said a moment ago, he always sees, he always knows, he is always with us. So he came to them walking on the water, you see. storm meant nothing to him. You remember we had a picture here before in the Gospel through Mark where he was asleep in the boat. The storm didn't wake the Lord. It was the touch of fearful disciples that awoke him. Our friend, let me tell you this. If you love the Savior, you may not know much about him. But if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he knows all about you. And he's full of tenderness and compassion and he sees everything you do. He sees every circumstance in which you find yourself. And you are a special individual to him, just as these disciples were. I've oftentimes wondered, why in the world didn't he choose some 12 good, intelligent, scholastic, powerful Jews to follow him? Oh, no, he just picked up fishermen and tax gatherers and what have you. That's the kind of people he loves, you know. I read that the common people heard him gladly. So now he walked the water. Who is this Jesus that can walk the water? This is our Savior. This is the one who asked these men to accompany him, to travel along with him. You remember in in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, uh, when he walked the water and they were scared stiff, and by the way, don't you, be, don't you uh, be too hard on these disciples. I'll guarantee to you that if you were in a boat in the middle of the night on a water and you, you saw someone walking on the water like a savior, you'd be scared stiff too. And don't try an alibi about that. Uh, most of us, all of us in fact, when it comes to the question of supernatural things, it's so easy to become full of fear. And do you remember, Peter, when the Lord says, be not afraid, be of good cheer, cheer up, it is I. Don't be afraid. In Matthew's gospel we have where Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, bid me come to you. And you remember how the Lord just said one word, come? Do you know the hardest thing for Peter? The hardest thing for Peter was not getting out of the boat. The hardest thing for Peter was to let go of the boat. As long as he had hold of the boat, you know, he could—he was all right, no matter how rough the water was. But they let go of the boat and behold, he walked the water. And do you remember, and I'm sure that the disciples helped him on this. Do you remember he got his eyes off the Lord and got his eyes on the water and the storm and he began to sink. And I'm, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the disciples were helping him on that. I'm sure if I can visualize that picture, how easy it would be for one of the other disciples to say, look out, Peter, there's a, big, there's a big wave coming. And Peter would look, down he went in the water, and the Lord pulled him up. The amazing thing was that Peter walked back to the boat on the water. Did you know that? But I'm sure he walked very, very, very close to the Savior. Peter never speaks of it. Why speak of it when the Savior his Lord walked the water and controlled the storm. Oh, how the Lord loves to do this! Am I talking to some Christian? And you've gone through some very, very special hard time, huh? And you say, "I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and He, and the Lord hasn't answered me." Yes, but my friend, He sees you. He understands you. Perfectly understands you full of compassion and tenderness toward you, then why doesn't God do something? He will. He's always on time. But it may be you have a lesson to learn. Like these disciples. They learned who he was in the storm. What manner of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This we read in the preceding chapters of Mark. So you have it here. It's still the storm. And I read here, in verse 40, 52, they considered not the miracles of the loaves. They were wondering. They were amazed beyond measure. They didn't know what to make of it. They forgot about the miracle of the loaves. The about feeding the thousands and opening the eyes of the blind and casting out demons and cleansing lepers. They forgot all about that because of their own present condition, just like you and I do. We forget the faithfulness of God in past days, how the Lord has stood by us. Listen, friend, was he with you yesterday? <laughs> you see, he sure was. He's with you today. he would be with you tomorrow. He'll never leave you. He sees, he understands, and he's all sufficient for every need. Now it says here the heart was dark, was hardened, now I don't believe this is the hardness of unbelief like you have in Hebrews chapter three where where unbelief produces hardness. I think here it's more along the sense that they were dull, they couldn't understand. It was beyond their thinking that one should walk the water, still the storm. You know you know there are people today who talk about performing miracles. I know I get magazines and get papers about men who are preachers and they're supposed to have so many wonderful miracles, especially in the field of healing. Uh, Jesus even stilled the storm. I don't know anybody ever stilled the storm but Jesus. I don't know anybody who can stop the wind blowing except Jesus. And he's your Savior. He's my Savior. And if you're going through some, some real deep waters right now, remember, he sees it. He knows it. He understands it. And remember again, the Lord allows these things to come into our lives that He might teach us His presence. We might experience His power, His love, His compassion. Now when you come to the end of the chapter, if I might just close this chapter 6, verse 54, And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew Him. That is, the people ran. And they ran... Through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the straits and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Isn't that one? Have you ever touched him by the way? Did you notice the Lord how much rest did the Lord have that night? As far as I know, none at all. The day before, he had fed 5,000. He healed all who had need of healing. His disciples were tired out, and he said, let's, let's get away and have a rest. He saw they were physically tired. But the moment the Lord came on the scene, the crowds came round. He really took a rest accepted to be alone with his father at night when everybody else was sleeping. And the moment he came to the land there came these people. They brought their sick. They laid them in the streets, and they besought Jesus that he might touch if it were but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Have you touched him? I asked the question again. We had it in the preceding chapters, you remember. The woman who touched him, oh to touch Jesus now what's wonderful about doctrine I'm, 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 I'm a stickler for doctrine but my friend life doesn't come through doctrine doctrine is to be believed you don't feel doctrine you feel life and this is what I'm more and more seeing in the gospel through Mark especially when we come to chapter 7 this next chapter the amazing thing the Lord always sees the need of people and meets their need. See, this is life. This is life. There are some Christians who who close themselves in from other Christians because of doctrine. And, And I'm saying again, I'm a stickler for doctrine. But when it comes to people in need, my friend, this is what God wants us to do, meet their need. Jesus had compassion upon the multitudes, why? They were the sheep having no shepherd. He fed them. His disciples in a storm. They were men like you and me. They were scared stiff. Jesus spoke the word, he saw them, met their need. He came to shore. Here's a great crowd of people, when they found he was there, followed him, pressed in upon him, brought all their sick people. What for? That they might be healed and as many as touched him, were made whole. Do you know there are, and I speak a word to you who are Christians today, may I do it, there are literally tens of thousands of people in America, possibly in your own town or city, there are hundreds around you, and most of us have failed. In what? In relating to them a Savior who can meet their need. Now, I'm well aware you can't force yourself upon people. I know that. I know that very, very well. But all that our lives may may show, reveals something of the tenderness and the love of the Savior who is sufficient for your need. Are you in a storm? Everything looks black. Everything looks helpless and hopeless. You feel alone alone and you feel you can't meet the problems that you have, let me tell you, Jesus can. As many as touched him were made whole. He sees, he knows, he understands. And if I'm talking to any sinner today, you've never accepted the Savior, I'll tell you, my friend, Jesus is the one who can can meet your need. In fact, he is saying to you, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Is it rest you want? Do you want peace of conscience, peace of heart? And come to Him. He's got peace for you. He's got salvation for you. All that you need is found in Him. The trouble with us Christians is we don't realize that our Savior can meet our need right where we are. Now today, you you just take the Word of God and read it and remember our Savior is able for your need today. He saw them rowing and He came down and met their need he sees you in your need, and you come down and meet your need. And the Lord bless you today for his name's sake.
2: Why then drift along with emptiness and dark despair? Trust in Christ, accept God's love, and all his blessings share. He will prove himself to you a thousand times and more. You'll begin to understand what you created for lost but still he loves you lost and sin astray jesus died upon the cross to take sin gives away like a sheep that on the mountain dark and cold But still he love you and who to bring you back into his home.
1: we trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's word you may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the unchanging word po box 398. Dallas, Oregon 97338 The Unchanging Word And so until next time this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast Life